News Talk 1400 WDWS. It's 420, 70 degrees. I'm Tim Dittman with you on the News Hour. We're joined on the phone right now by Champaign County State's Attorney Julia Reitz, who just minutes ago released uh, her summary of a state police investigation into the shooting death last week of Champaign Police Officer Chris Oberheim. Uh, Julia, thanks for joining us. You wrote in your report that the other officer on the scene, Jeff Creel, was justified in his shooting of the suspect. Uh, let's start there. What led you to that conclusion? Well, the entirety of the situation, um, I have uh, described Jeff Creel today as heroic. Um, he sustained uh, gunfire himself. He was shot um, three times and was able to um, get up and assess the situation and see that uh, the uh, suspect, uh, Lafayette, was standing um, over his uh, wounded and injured um, partner, Officer Oberheim, who was laying on the ground. Uh, Lafayette was armed with a firearm um, still and therefore uh, clearly presented a risk to Officer Oberheim, to Officer Creel, to anyone else who might have been in the area. And so based on that, um, he took action and uh, fired uh, very accurately and um, appropriately and ended the threat. And that really is uh, what the law says. Um, my job as the state's attorney in these situations is to uh, consider whether anyone violated um, Illinois law in the course of an officer-involved shooting, and uh, there we're looking at the use of deadly force. Um, there's specific statutes that address peace officers' use of deadly force, and very similarly, in fact, in this situation to um, any citizen's ability to use deadly force. Um, that is when they reasonably believe that such force is necessary to prevent death or great bodily harm to themselves or to another person. And uh, clearly in this situation, again, based on the totality, uh, that was the case. And Officer Creel was uh, certainly legally justified and um, absolutely uh, appropriate and consistent with his uh, responsibilities as a peace officer. We're talking with State's Attorney Julia Reitz. Uh, let's go back a little bit, Julia, to the start of the interaction between the officers and Mr. Lafayette. Uh, if you wouldn't mind just walking us uh, through that, the encounter uh, started as the suspect was uh, seated in the driver's seat of a vehicle, correct? Right. So we have to go back a little bit further um, and we had the benefit of surveillance video from the apartment complex, the town center apartments that was uh, very cooperative with this investigation and providing us with uh, their overhead surveillance uh, video, um, as well as the body camera video. Um, there were no independent witnesses. It was 3.30 in the morning. People were not out and about at that time. Um, and so that surveillance video and the body camera video was uh, very important. Um, to our analysis. And uh, the body camera video is limited in that um, Officer Creel's body camera falls off while they're in the hands-on confrontation. And then Officer Overheim's video, of course, falls with him when he is uh, shot um, and ends up on the ground next to him. So that overhead video, again, very important. Um, and so what we see in that overhead video and the body camera video is that when the officers arrive, um, to respond to the domestic violence call. They're walking up and they see an individual coming out of the building and getting into a car. And that 
turns out to be Mr. Lafayette. Uh, they don't know that, but it's absolutely appropriate for them uh, to be aware of that. Again, 3.30 in the morning, people are not moving about like that. This is a domestic violence call. They don't know whether that person is the, the suspect, is a witness, is the person who called 911 in the first place. Um, and for officer safety purposes, as they're walking up, it's appropriate for them to go and engage um, and assess the situation. And they do that. They walk up and very um, appropriately, non-confrontationally say, what's up, man? Champagne police, how are you? Um, and importantly, neither Officer Creel or Officer Oberheim um, had unholstered their weapons. Their uh, weapons were, were in their holsters. Um, and they were approaching with a flashlight in their hand um, and non-confrontationally. And uh, when you watch the body camera video, um, Officer Creel's body camera video, you can see that Mr. Lafayette is uh, hes seated in his car, the door's ajar, his left foot is out. Uh, he's got a cell phone in his left hand that's out, but you can't see his right hand or what's in his right hand. Um, and at that point, Officer Creel appropriately and legally, um, there is a Supreme Court case law that addresses what an officer can tell you to do. Um, saying, show me your hands is absolutely uh, legally justifiable under these situations. And uh, he doesn't. He, and at that point, Lafayette comes out of the car and the struggle is on um, over the gun that's in his right hand. You can't see it. And we certainly acknowledge that, but when you watch the overhead body, you can't see it on the body camera, but you can see the struggle and you can see his arm uplifted and then you see the the flash from the gunfire as they're struggling over the gun in between those, uh, in that small area between the two cars. And uh, to be clear, it's uh, the conclusion of the authorities that Mr. Lafayette fired first, is that correct? Yes. So again, watching the body camera, um, you can see from Officer Oberheim's body camera, he was behind Officer Creel, uh, that Officer Creel's weapon remained in the holster as they were struggling. And again, Officer Oberheim's um, weapon was never unholstered. And uh, earlier in our conversation, we're talking with Champaign County State's Attorney Julia Reitz. Uh, earlier when we were speaking, you mentioned at one point Mr. Lafayette uh, walked or, or lightly jogged uh, over, took a couple steps over to where the area where Officer Oberheim was on the ground already wounded. Um, I know this is a difficult question to ask, but is it your understanding that Lafayette at that point fired more shots at Oberheim or simply pointed uh, his gun at Officer Oberheim? So when we first watched it, we I think the thought was that that, that was when Officer Oberheim was shot. But actually, um, based on his injuries and based on um, Lafayette's injuries and um, on the the review of Officer Creel's gun um, and the the sound of the gunfire. Uh, what what I believe and what, what I think we believe um, as a whole is that uh, that Lafayette emptied his gun in the fight when the when the, he's shooting back and forth, um, and that was when Officer Creel or I'm sorry, Officer Oberheim was shot um, and fell to the ground. And then um, Lafayette gets up, and he certainly looks like he could 
fire. Um, again, perhaps he had his weapon pointed at Officer Oberheim. I don't know. Um, but Officer, you hear uh, two sets of very precise um, gunfire, uh, two sets of two shots each. Um, and Officer Friel's um, bullet count basically indicates that he fired four times. Um, so we believe that those last four shots, of which three of which struck um, Lafayette, were from Officer Creel, who was, again, very um, professionally and very precisely um, using deadly force in order to, to uh, protect himself and uh, Officer Oberheim. Certainly good information there. We're talking with Champaign County State's Attorney Julia Reitz. Won't keep you much longer, Julia. Um, from an investigatory, uh, investigatory standpoint and overall from a community standpoint, where do we go from here? Well, so there are still some pieces of the investigation that need to be done. We're awaiting toxicology results from the um, coroner's office. We're waiting some lab results. Uh, we'll compare the bullets to um, ensure to see if we if our if our uh, version that I just told you is accurate. If science can tell us that at all, um, there is an ongoing investigation with the ATF to see if we can determine where the gun came from and if there is any um, way to hold someone responsible for the gun ending up in Lafayette's hands. Uh, there is an ongoing DCFS uh, child welfare case with the two children who were found in the apartment. Um, so there is still um, things to go forward. And of course, um, I can't speak for the Champaign police, but you know they've, they're going to have an internal investigation and review um, for tactical there's, I mean, there, there, so there are pieces of this that are still ongoing, but I do not believe, you know, that anything is going to change this assessment of uh, what we believe happened or my, certainly is not going to change my legal analysis about um, Officer Creel and the very appropriate uh, use of deadly force. Mr. Lafayette, um, correct me if I'm wrong, was not legally allowed to have a gun due to his criminal history. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. And uh, I know I'm keeping you longer than I promised, Julia. The um, domestic call that started all this, uh, did authorities uncover anything there? Was there actually a domestic violence victim in an apartment? Well, what I can say is that there was a neighbor who called in uh, reporting what she heard, and um, that when officers were able to go up to the apartment, uh, they did find um, a, a woman there who... Um, was uh, had a previous there was a previous domestic violence case in which uh, Lafayette was convicted and was on probation at that time. She was the victim in that case. Um, there were two children in the apartment. Um, her two children, one of them is also Mr. Lafayette's child, um, and she was not. I would say she was not terribly cooperative with the authorities that night, um, but certainly um, all. All the circumstances point towards an ongoing domestic violence relationship. Okay, that's uh, good information as well. Julia, one more thing before I let you go. We will uh, end on somewhat of a lighter note. I know you attended the funeral yesterday for Officer Oberheim, and I know you were very, you were very moved at the show of the support from the local community uh, and, and law enforcement. Do you maybe want to talk about your experience yesterday, and then we'll wrap this up? Absolutely. So it was an absolute honor to be included in um, the funeral. 
Uh, yesterday, I went with my husband, who, of course, is a retired law and law enforcement officer, um, and um, being in that uh, in that space with um, all of the officers uh, walking in one by one by one by one um, was incredibly emotional. Um, it was the the love for the family was palpable, and the family's love for um, their law enforcement family was was returned um, so clearly. And then afterwards, we drove back into town, um, and uh, we stopped at an overpass and saw, you know, people who came up with flags and um, to to honor Officer Oberheim as uh, the uh, as the motorcade passed by, and it was. It was just a beautiful sight. Champaign County State's Attorney Julia Reitz, we really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you very much. 433, 70 degrees on the DWS News Hour. We'll have local news in a moment. First, CBS.